Good evening, boils and ghouls, and welcome to Frightening Tales. Tonight's episode is Howling Mad. I'm Justin, president of the K-Ghoul Horror Film Club and investigator for Burgers. I'm joined by the man with the 12th degree black belt and Pew Jitsu, Tommy. Pew Pew! The Bigfoot UFO Rougarou Ghosts and ET's Research Society has asked me to revise the Rougarou section of the Burgers Manual. Now, after reading their info and what they have, I found that uh, it's pretty lacking. It's borderline pathetic. It reads like most articles you find about the Rougarou. Talking about the articles that you find here in Louisiana that all start the same way, read the same way, and they start with the deep in the bayou or deep in the swamplands or deep in bayou country. You see where I'm going with that? And then they go on to give you a little bit of an origin story. Not much of an origin. They just kind of throw it out there. We'll, we'll talk about the origin later. And then they'll get a quote from the local folklorist expert, which uh, seems to be one guy, Jonathan Ferre. Most stories have the Rugaru as wolf-like. Eight feet, nine feet tall, red eyes usually, hairy body, strong muscular claws. Red, red eyes. That's the thing that I think I most remember about the vision I have of a Rougarou is that just these red glaring eyes at, at night. That's why you have every book you own on werewolves off that shelf. And you also have two new books I haven't seen before. Rougarou Stew and Rougarou, Louisiana's Werewolf. Yes, one of those I bought for my children. And the other book I just found on Amazon and it just arrived the other day. Rougarou Stew. That looks like a fun book. I bet you it reads like Justin Wilson. But I got a story I want to tell you. There was a city's Lincoln friend with me what went hunting for squirrel year before last. You went in the swamp down near where I live. And it's hot, too early to hunt them squirrels now. The weather's dry, and you could hear him coming for four miles. Sound like a herd of elephants with the trunk dragging the ground coming through the swamp. And man, he don't see no squirrel, because the squirrels see him first. And he just about to lost his discourage and quit and go out of that. And he run up on a little boy, about, oh, I guess 13 or 12 year old, and he got squirrel tucked under his belt with the tail hanging down, looked like he got a hula skirt on, got about 16 or 15 squirrels, and the limit 14. He says, son, where in the world did you get all them squirrels? He said, in the swamp. He said, well, who's killed them squirrels? He said, I killed them squirrels. He said, look, son, I ain't no game warden, don't you worry none at all about it. You got the limit there. And you maybe you ain't got no hunting like that. I ain't no game warden. Don't tell me no lie like that. He said, Mister, I ain't lying to you. I kill all them squirrels. He said, Son, I can't stood that. Just told me the truth now. Who killed the squirrel? You ain't even got a rifle with you. You ain't got no shoot gun. You ain't even got a pistol in your hand. He said, You got it hidden in the swamp. He said, No. What you talk about? You kill him. You chunk at him with a rock. He said, No. He reached in the left hand pocket and he pulled out a steel ball. He said. Don't chunk at him. I chunk him with this steel ball and I hit him. Oh, he said, I can't stood that. You done lied to me twice. You know you're going to hell on a bobsled lying like that to somebody older than you? He said, Mr. I ain't lying. What I'm trying to tell you is the truth. And let me tell you something else. I'm going to show you there's a squirrel right now. He chunk up there and knock that squirrel out. That fella said, 
whoo, he went over there and grabbed him and go, blub, 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 beat against the tree to be sure he's dead. Y'all done seen everything now. The little left-handed boy, he said, I ain't left-handed. He said, well, how come you chunk left-handed? He said, Papa won't let me chunk right-handed. He said, how come you Papa won't let you chunk right-handed? He said, I tear him up too damn bad, I guarantee. <laughs> oh, boy. Let me see, I done sobbed up a little here. Mm. Believe it or not, that book has more information than what Burgers currently has. That's not surprising. So in the simplest terms, a Rougarou is just the Cajun werewolf. That's how most of us know it. But there are some subtle differences between a werewolf and a Rougarou, which we will explore a little bit later. But before I share you what makes a Rougarou different, yeah, we've got to talk a little bit about werewolves, because that is one of my favorite subjects. He sure loves werewolves. You should see this bookshelf. He has an entire shelf dedicated to werewolves. He's got the Wolf Almanac. Uh, There's a book by Dr. Bob Curran, Werewolves. The Werewolf's Guide to Life, Manual for the Newly Bitten. He's got all kinds of books on the subject. How to hunt them, how to investigate it, everything. I've lived in Southeast Louisiana for most of my life. There's about 10 years of my time that I haven't lived here. Four years in the Marine Corps and then six years in North Louisiana. And the Rougarou is not mentioned very often. I don't ever, I don't really recall someone mentioning the Rougarou or blaming the Rougarou for anything. But there's many times that we've been to the Audubon Zoo, I did not realize or recognize that they actually had an exhibit dedicated to the Rougarou. It was just always some creepy statue that we walked past. My uncle, who's also a transplant to Louisiana, he doesn't know about the Rougarou. And as we talked about in our ghost episode, he's pretty familiar with the local legends. So to not learn about the Rougarou from him is a shame. But let's get to the werewolves for a second. Mostly werewolf movies. Because if you go look around for Rougarou movies, you're only going to find... Movies dedicated to the Lugaru. We'll talk about the differences between the Lugaru and the Rougarou much later. So the first werewolf movie for me was Teen Wolf. Most people will tell you it was the Universal Monsters was their gateway to horror. Well, my gateway to horror was 80s movies. Freddy's, Aliens, Critters, all of them. Not, not the Universal Monsters. In fact, I didn't watch Wolfman with Lon Chaney until two or three years ago. Never really had the desire for it. That's partly because most werewolf movies are slow burners. They're a little boring, and most have a reputation for being really, really bad. But Teen Wolf was fun teen comedy that really caught me, and that's what made me like werewolves from there. Uh, When it comes to The Wolfman, I like Benicio Del Toro's Wolfman better than Lon Chaney. When it comes to the best-looking werewolf, we got to go to the movie called Wolves with Jason Momoa. Dude, Jason Momoa was beast in that movie. When it comes to transformations, I feel that is the most accurate for what humans would endure to become a werewolf. Another movie I liked about werewolves was Blood and Chocolate, based on the book Blood and Chocolate. Now, it's really... I really should say it's loosely based, because all they took was the characters and one incident from the book and kept it as the main storyline. Still a beautiful movie, still a great little script, acting's a little so-so, but I like it because the scenery in Romania is just amazing, and the uh, reverence werewolves or lugarus get. 
Well, the transformations in that one was they just simply turned into a wolf. So there was more shape-shifting than uh, werewolfery, as I've seen Dr. Bob Coran call it. The most comical has to be the werewolf in American Werewolf in Paris. Uh, that, Despite being one of the better werewolf movies, it was just all pulled down because the werewolf was just some CGI mess. I, I, it looked more like uh, a hungry, do- hungry, wet dog rat living on the side street. That's how bad it was. When it comes to the best scenes in a werewolf movie, you gotta go with the Monster Squad. Wolfman's got nards. I enjoyed the Wolfman and Monster Squad because it was not that he was crying about being cursed about the werewolf. He was just looking out for the well-being of the kid, and he was like, "Take me out, take me out." Nobody and everybody was. There's no such thing as werewolves. But the best scene for that is Wolfman's got nards. That's a line that we remember growing up. And there was one time where my brother called me up. And they were talking about movies, and he couldn't remember the name of Monster Squad. And he goes, hey, it's that movie where they kicked Wolfman between the legs. And of course, I instantly knew it. There were two other movies that he couldn't remember. One of them was Willow, and the other was Labyrinth. Another great transformation scene, and actually one of the best-looking werewolves and best reveal of a werewolf, is from my favorite movie, Trick or Treat, when Anna Paquin and her sisters reveal that they are werewolves. Why? This is the perfect example of a skinwalker because instead of transforming, they uh, act like their body is just that a body and they take it off as if it's was just zippered on. And of course the whole Anna playing hard to get with one of the villains from the show, all that. It's just an overall amazing scene. Of course, I can't be talking about werewolf movies without this big reveal from the howling. Tonight I'm going to show you something. Make you believe. Now that's enough talk about werewolves. When we come back, we are going to talk about the Rougarou. But mostly its origin story and how it came from France. You definitely want to hear this one out. Tonight's movie is called Moon of the Wolf. And it's appropriate for tonight's discussion because it's a Louisiana sheriff dealing with a bunch of murders and the possibility of a Lougarou. Oh, my God. 
something like this, there's gonna be two dead bodies. Is that what you want? I guess not. Well, what can you tell me, Doc? Right now? Only that it's not considered good medical practice to perform autopsies in the middle of swamps, surrounded by howling dogs and scratching rustics. I uh, want the remains moved to the hospital as soon as you can arrange it. Do you think that can be accomplished by the neighborhood clots without completely obliterating any chance there might be of determining cause of death? Anybody know how it happened, Sheriff Whitaker? Did you bring him here, Reverend? He just stole my car and come anyway, Sheriff. Oh, 
killed her. It was wild dogs, boy. This couldn't be done by a human person. Take your hands off me, mister. Now you hold on to your manners, boy. Oh, you got to just stand there. Right, man, let's hold it. Just hold it. Now you go on home with the Reverend and wait for me. Go on. Go on. You two boys help Doc with the body. Now, the rest of you get out of here. I want to look around by myself. Go on, get. Come on, Lawrence. Come on. He thinks someone murdered her. Well, what do you think? Wild dogs do it to her? Tell me what you mean by do it. Dogs might very well have done something to her. There were bite marks. Well, then they killed her. You show me a pack of dogs where one of them knows how to hit you on the side of the head and knock you unconscious, and I'll sign a death certificate saying she was killed by dogs. Something struck her. Someone struck her. With enough force either to kill her outright or to render her sufficiently senseless to be dragged out into that field and left for the dogs to finish off. Find someone strong enough to do that with his left hand, and you'll have who did it. Left hand? The mark was along here. That's where a left-handed person would strike you if you were facing him. You've got a murder, Sheriff. Welcome back to Frightening Tales. I'm Justin, and Tommy is here with me. Tonight, we are discussing the Rougarou. Before we went to our movie, I was talking about my love for werewolves and a little bit about the Rougarou. So let's jump into this origin story. I mentioned earlier that Rougarous around here are not mentioned often. It was not until a show called Cajun Justice that I would get the first hint of a Rougarou. Now, if I heard the Rougarou in passing, I'd probably thought it was more like Chupacabra or something similar to that. I would not put the pieces together that it's the Cajun werewolf until around like 2014, 2015. Now, for those who don't know the show Cajun Justice, it's pretty much just your local cop show, but down in the bayou country of Louisiana. That was interesting to see. And it was it's not a very strong show, so... Don't go see it if you don't have to. So let's get into the origin story of the Rougarou. The most common origin of the Rougarou is from France. The Rougarou has terrorized the countryside of France since the 1500s. Man, that's a long time to be terrorizing. And then, of course, when the French migrated here to Louisiana, they brought the Rougarou with them. Only they didn't call it the Rougarou. They called it the loup Garou. It was just over time as... French and English merged into a Cajun dialect, it eventually became the Rougarou. Let's jump back to France, back to the 1500s. They blamed everything on the Lougarou. If it was unexplained, the Lougarou did it. And they used it to scare their children, and they used it to be paranoid towards any travelers or strange people in their area. If it was unexplained, Lougarou did it. And oftentimes, this would lead them to arrest innocent people, and then torture them, oh, I'm sorry, put them on trial, and then execute them for being a werewolf with little to no evidence. Sounds a lot like the Salem Witch Trials, doesn't it? 
Usually the person was someone that acted strange or was some kind of hermit in the woods. Now, when it comes to the origins of the Rougarou, there's not a whole lot of work done in these earlier articles. So I've had to do some digging on my own and connect my own dots, which brings me to Dr. Bob Coran's book, Werewolves. He goes into a very detailed account about all kinds of werewolves, Nordic werewolves, European werewolves, and even some here, the skinwalkers here in the U.S., now, I consider him to be kind of the expert in the subject, so when I read his chapter on the French Connection, it helped build a lot more on the Rougarou story. So Dr. Bob Coran traced the start of the panic to a pamphlet in 1590 about a German named Peter Stubb. The pamphlet was called A True Discourse Declaring the Damnable Life and Death of Stubb Peter. It was a detailed account of Stubb's horrific crimes and how he transformed into a Lugaru. Stubb's wolf was described as a strong and mighty with eyes great and large, so that in the night they sparkled like brands of fire, a mouth great and wide with the most sharp and cruel teeth, a huge body and great paws. Stubb claimed he used a belt to transform, but no belt was ever found, even after they captured him, and he never revealed the location. Dr. Coran said the pamphlet reinforced earlier accounts of Lugaru sightings, which brings up the stories of Michael Verdung, Pierre Borgo, and Giles Garnier. Man, could you imagine if there was a belt? Or if they had found that belt and you could transform into a wolf at any time? Man, that would be pretty cool. Something about them old days where they just like, Hey, you don't need to be bit. Here, put on this belt. Instant werewolf. Now, it seems that any of the accounts like Stubbs or upcoming Verdung, Borgo, and uh, Garnier, seems that their crimes were pretty horrific and they either confessed to it or they were caught in the act. So let's go ahead and start with Michael Verdung and Pierre Borgo. They were two of three people accused of being a werewolf, or Lugaru in their case. Now, according to this story, the third was never identified. So I don't know if they didn't catch him or if he just got away or the two just never gave him up. But Verdung was captured after he attacked a traveler. A group of villagers formed into a posse and they went searching for this attacker. What they found was a woman dressed in the wounds of Michael Verdung and the wounds matched the traveler's description. Now, while he was tortured, did give, Verdung gave up one name and that was Pierre Borgo. Now, when Borgo was apprehended, he was the one that said that Verdung approached him. So Verdung was a Lugaroo before Borgo. But Burgo said he was approached by three dark horsemen while out looking for lost cattle. If he renounced his religion, then he would find, not only find his lost cattle, but he would have a prosperous time. Now, on his way to go to a Catholic priest to confess to what he did, he was approached by Verdung not to do that. Now, Burgo said that Verdung used an ointment on him that made him turn into a werewolf. So now we've got a belt that could turn you into a werewolf, and now you got ointment. And they all said that it came from the devil. So due to their horrific crimes, authorities believed that the only option they had before them were to execute and burn the bodies of Verdung and Burgo. Now the third story to cause fear happened near the town of Dole in the 1570s. Giles Garnier, the hermit of St. Bonat. He lived with his wife in a cabin deep in the wooded countryside. He was also not a native of the area. Another red flag for them. And the people considered him to be odd and belligerent. 
He was accused of being a werewolf when a group of villagers rescued a young girl from a wolf. Their evidence was that his face resembled the muzzle of the wolf. Very little to no evidence on him. The authorities declared that was enough to arrest, try, and execute Garnier. So the pamphlet and those three instances of Lugaru were enough to cause panic across France. People blamed most of the horrific acts on the Lugaru and accused strangers of being the Lugaru. It's also rumored that the French smuggled the Lugaru into Louisiana. Now I'm about to play for you a non-European origin of the Lugaru and place the origin story squarely in Louisiana. There is a story told amongst the children of the Native Americans who inhabit the southern swamplands. A story about a perverse ritual performed by the Atakapaw tribe long before white men came to these lands. A ritual so dark that other tribes dared not speak of it. The Skinwalker Traditions. The Atakapaw were fierce warriors whose vanquished foes were consumed in a very literal sense. They ate the flesh of their enemies. As the tribe began to overtake more and more land, two tribes called the Opelousas and Chitimacha decided to band together to fight back against the Atakapaw. A bloody war raged, and through their combined strength, the two banded tribes won the battle, driving the few remaining Atakapaw deep into the swamplands. Weakened and starving to death, the Atakapaw turned to their shamans for answers. Their spiritual leaders began to seek assistance beyond the physical realm. And in the darkness, something answered them. Something evil. This evil consumed the Atakapaw, granting strength in exchange for every hint of humanity that once existed within them. Over time, their numbers grew and they began to move beyond the boundaries of the swamplands they were once forced into. An animalistic nature consumed them to such a degree they took on the form of something beyond human, beyond beast. The Rougarou. That origin story came from the documentary Skinwalker, The Howl of the Rougarou by Small Town Monsters. Uh, and that, by far, is one of the best documentaries you're ever going to find on the Rougarou. It covers a lot of the different aspects in there and tells a better story than what you get from the Travel Channel, Destination America, or even Discovery. Now, both of these origin stories are absolutely crazy, and they add to the mystique of the Rougarou. I don't know where Small Town Monsters got their story, but it checks out. When we get back from our movie, The Moon of the Wolf, we're going to talk about how you become a Rougarou. Come in if you'd allow it. Hi, Lawrence. You feeling better? Did you find out who did it to her? How's your father? Does he know about it? I just paged him. Do you want to pay your greetings? That'll pleasure me. 
るけど<笑> What's he saying? What he's been saying ever since Ellie was killed. Uh, you, what are you saying, you? Jolie, Annie, they look at Oak. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. What was he talking about? I don't know French. What's a Lucaro? I don't know. Well, you speak French. Never heard that word before. First time I heard that word was when I come back from where they found Ellie. Did he know about Ellie? Yeah, he knows. Who told him? Nobody told him. Well, then how does he know? Well, I can't tell you that. He's been talking like that ever since I got back. Talking about his pretty Ellie, his little girl, sweet daughter. And the Lucaro. He knows. Somehow he knows without anybody telling him. Nah, it doesn't make any sense. He's just got crazy things going on in his head because he's old and sick. Let's talk about what's going on in your head. Well, you know what's going on in my head. I want to know what got it going. It wasn't wild dogs that killed Ellie. Now, how do you know that? She was having trouble. What kind of trouble? With a man. Well, who? I don't know who. Wasn't anybody from down here on the bayou. Somebody up on Pecan Hill. Some other Marsh Island snobbery. Well, how'd you know? She'd tell you that? She didn't tell me anything. That's how I know. We was good friends. She used to tell me everything. Then suddenly she just Shut up tight. Wouldn't talk a word to me. That's what it was last night when she was ironing her dress and brushing out her hair. I asked her. She wouldn't say. I know. Don't you worry about that. How'd you know there was trouble between them? You said there was trouble. I could read her face like a newspaper. Something had gone wrong. Something bad. I tried to find out what it was. She wouldn't tell me. She just sassed me. Told me to shut my mouth and gut a French. Well, what'd you do? Well, I hit her. How hard? Well, hard enough to let her know what I thought about her letting the quality put their fat fingers all over her. Go on, show me how hard you hit her. Show me how you hit her. Go on, show me. I've known you for 10 years. I never knew you were left-handed.
Sheriff. Good morning, Mr. Rodan. Good morning, Sheriff. How are you? Is there something I can do for you? Well, I just uh, came by. I guess you heard about Ellie Burrafoot. Yes, I did hear, Sheriff. It's a terrible thing to happen. Come on, let's sit on the gallery. Is it true they discovered her body just the other side of our grove? Yeah. Right near the Grummondy place. Have you any idea who might have done it? Well, we don't know much yet. I was just trying to trace where she went after she left the house before she got to the marshes. She could have come along uh, the Con Hill Road, or maybe she took a shortcut across the bayou. I was half wondering if you might have been outside between 8 and 12 and noticed it pass by. Oh, I'm afraid not, Sheriff. I wasn't being a very happy man about that time last night. Oh? Yes, I was doing battle with a, another bout of malaria. There was a time there when I thought my shaking was going to bring the whole house down around my ears, but it uh, finally passed off around 1 or 2, and I slept the rest of the night like a dead man. Andrew? We're just about ready for lunch. Miss Rodan, I didn't know you'd return to Marsh Island. Just a couple of hours ago, I met a plane in New Orleans. I guess you don't remember me. You're Aaron Whitaker. I remember you very well. When did you meet Sheriff Whitaker, Louise? Well, he wasn't Sheriff then, Andrew. He was just plain Aaron Whitaker, and he was too busy hitting me in junior high. <laughs> and I had this terrible crush on him. Louise. You probably didn't know a single thing about that, did you? Well, I wish I had. We could have compared them. Compared what? Crushes. I had one on you, too. <laughs> well, why ever didn't you say something about it? To a Rodan? Well, we're human, aren't we? I mean, practically, aren't we, Andrew, like anybody else? Even though we're a fine old family and settled Marsh Island and all that, even though there's always been a Rodance living in this great old house here, even though you can't keep it warm when it's cold out, cool when it's hot, or dry when the rain's filtering in through the cracks. Uh, please. Well, it's true, isn't it? At least it was five years ago when I left. Has anybody fixed the roof since then? Or put in heating? Louise, Sheriff Whitaker is attending to uh, a small matter, and I'm sure you are impatient to get on with it. Isn't that so, Sheriff? Well, it's nice seeing you again, Miss Rodan. Well, you will come to call, won't you? Oh, I, I have to remember all the way they say things here. Come to call, is that it? Or, or pay a visit? <laughs> in New York, it's ring up, drop in, hop over. Things are much more active in New York. Uh, Louise, I'll be right along. Oh, dear, I'm talking too much. You notice that, I suppose. I'm a compulsive talker. Everybody says so. You know, it happened to me shortly after I graduated from junior high school. What a pity it didn't happen sooner. I could have mentioned that terrible crush I had on you. <laughs> oh, Andrew is staring at me. Well, goodbye, Sheriff Whitaker, and do... Uh, ring up, uh, drop in, and hop over. <laughs> oh, my, that does sound energetic, doesn't it? Oh, uh, put your hat on. You're going to get a sunstroke in this climate. <laughs> I'm going, Andrew. I'm going. My sister has been ill, Sheriff. That's why she's come home. And I hope she'll be feeling better soon. Oh, yes, she will be, with a lot of rest, quiet, no excitement of any sort. What you mean is I shouldn't bother to ring up, uh, drop in, or hop over. It hadn't occurred to me you were taking the invitation seriously, Sheriff. I wasn't. Mr. Rodan, 
Jared. Welcome back to Frightening Tales. Tonight we are discussing the legend of the Rougarou. And so far we've discussed the origin in that it either came from France or it originated from Native American tribes living in Louisiana. Here's where Rougarou and a werewolf starts to kind of separate from each other. Because really the only thing in common a Rougarou and a werewolf have is the half-wolf, half-man aspect. Because from here, it starts to get strange. That's how you become a Rougarou. There's apparently several different ways. The first and most bizarre way comes from France, and it's mostly the French Catholics used to warn their children and to warn their, the faithful flock. If you're Catholic and you do not observe Lent for seven years, you're going to become a Lugaroo. No, 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 no. I have two questions about this. How exactly does that happen? Does that start like on Ash Wednesday when you wake up in the morning and you decide, you know what? I'm not going to fast today. I'm just going to go ahead and make me a pile of sausage, bacon, eggs, grits. And then all of a sudden you start going. And there you go. A Lugaroo. Or does it happen during mass when you're like, you know, I don't really want to be here and I'm just going to skip mass or some strange way, shape or form. And the second thought I have on this is what rules of Lent are they using? Because Catholics can't agree on which is the right rules. Are they using the original ones? Are they using a modified or the modified, modified, modified version? Or are they using just the today's version? Those are some very good points there, my friend. Uh, can't tell you. It's just a broad stroke of a rule to don't observe Lent for seven years. Boom. Rougarou. The other way to become a Rougarou is to be cursed by a voodoo priestess. Yeah, I could see that happening a lot in Louisiana. There's a lot of people who do stupid things. And they go off to find a voodoo priestess to like, Hey, can you curse him to be a Rougarou? Now, typically, if you're cursed, the curse is only for 101 days. And as long as you don't kill anybody or go maim and hurt everybody, you, you might make it through the 101 days and then be able to live with yourself afterwards because then the curse lifts. Uh, I guess you'd have to start doing things like lock yourself up in your room, in your house, somewhere. Sort of like what Seth Green did in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Or you can check out the book, The Werewolf's Guide to Life, a manual for the newly bitten. Or it has all kinds of uh, measures you can take to live a life of a Rougarou or werewolf. The other thing that I've heard said you can become a Rougarou is if you are approached by a Rougarou and you draw its blood, it immediately lifts the curse off of him or her and puts it on you. And then you have 101 days to survive. Now here's probably the worst show when it comes to the Rougarou. The fact that they can't get any of the information right. Okay, they got some information right. They got the height, 8, 9 foot, about 600 pounds, and glowing red eyes. That's the only thing the boys at the Bayou Enforcement Agency for Supernatural Threats gets right. For hundreds of years, the people of the Bayou have reported encounters with mystical monsters. Dark secrets lurk deep within the millions of acres of uncharted swamp. Risking life and limb, 
one crew of Cajuns readies for battle with these killer beasts. Together, these boys of the Bayou fight the unknown to bring answers to their kin. That's right, the boys of Beast are more of uh, four Cajuns running around the swamp shooting things. Or shooting at things or making traps trying to catch some of the most notorious monsters of all time in Louisiana. Dudes are more like fourth degree white belt in Jitsu when it comes to handling those guns. Yeah, and the scenes are pretty much the shot in the same places over and over again. Like the scene where they try to catch the Rougarou. That's the same exact place where they tried to catch the Honey Island Swamp Monster, but they were claimed to be in both directions. How do you know it's the same place? Look at the lighting of the area. It's definitely studio lights, and they set it in just one big area to light it up. There's no way a full moon lights an area up that way. I forgot you're one of those land navigation guys who can recognize spots based on landmarks as simple little trees. And then there's other things they get wrong about the Rougarou, especially the salt. I have never seen anyone claim that salt will kill a Rougarou. Listen up, guys. What's going on? There's been recent sightings of the Rougarou. Bears? Yeah. Where at? Manchac Swamp. Manchac Swamp's about 60 miles north of where we live. It's a huge area of swamp. There's several communities out there, and this Rougarou's coming out the swamp and causing all kinds of problems. So what kind of terrain are we looking at, Boudic? Looking at swampy wooded terrain, right west of the Lake Monster train. Yeah, and actually, the, the calls were in this area, so we should have a good place to go and talk to them and see if we can get some evidence that a Rougarou exists there. The Rougarou is the most savage monster in the bayou. The legend has that they came over on ships in the 1700s from France. Back then, they were the loop guru. We know loop is the French word for wolf, and guru is the French word for man. And these creatures sought refuge in the swamp, never left. Hey, y'all know this Rougarou is brutal. We've all heard stories of this Cajun werewolf. Well, I got something for him. Just be ready to shoot on scent. Stinks. Like a wet dog, you know, boo, he You should be able to smell him from a mile away then, especially with your nose. <laughs> Anyways, heard it's got a body like a man, but his head's like a wolf. Really powerful, bro. Seven feet tall. This thing's gonna weigh over 300 pounds. It's shaggy, it's got nappy fur. This thing's a werewolf, so we need to find out if it only hunts during a full moon. And the big thing that I've heard is that the curse of the Rougarou is if you look in its eyes, that you become the Rougarou. So we have to focus on not looking at its eyes. So you right? look in his eyes and he stuns you. Well, and I heard too, salt. It's afraid of salt, it'll burn it up, like battery acid would. The Rougarou explodes on impact or burst into flames on contact with the salt. It would be more like holy water to vampires, you know? I know the Rougarou is over seven feet tall. It's got a terrible odor, deadly stare, salt kills it. We might ought to move on it quick. Hello, let's go meet these weapons. Right, yeah, I thought that was a little skeptical. Because if you're gonna if you have salt, why don't you just go ahead and make salt rounds to begin with? And not to mention, if you kill that Rougarou, you just made yourself a Rougarou. This will not be the last time I talk about the show Swamp Monsters and the Boys at Beast, because they got two other topics that will be in future episodes, like the Grunch. The Grunch? Don't you mean the Grinch? No, the Grunch.
Well, what in the world is that? Well, maybe you have to tune into a future episode of Frightening Tales to find that one, because I can't quite explain it to you just yet. And then when we get to Bigfoot, we're going to have the Honey Island Swamp Monster. Y'all have your own Bigfoot, too? Man, Louisiana's kind of proud of themselves. I've lived in Louisiana a long time. Tommy here is just kind of a transplant. Uh... But he's working, he's working towards his Louisiana card. He's got the spicy food down. He's got the hunting down, the love for guns. He's almost a bona fide Louisiana. I can't give you the title of Cajun because uh, you have to be born a Cajun. And uh, neither one of us were that. Let's get back to our movie, Moon of the Wolf. When we come back, talk about how to protect yourself from Arugaroo. Sheriff. Either one of you ever see this? Oh. What did the fella call it? You identified Ellie Burrafu. That means you knew her. But we knew her, all right. She did cleaning for us a while. Back after Ma died. How long? Yeah, near about. That's before she went to work at the hospital. You have a data? Sure didn't. And telling me what you were doing the night you was killed? I was down in town to Beanwagon. A lot of folks seen me. Yeah, when'd you get back? What'd you do? Came back around 10, went to bed, that's what. You see him? Well, I didn't get in until about 12. Well, where were you? Pictures in Leadville. Well, when you got home, did you look in to see if Tom was home? Well, Tom Jr. here's a grown man. I don't bed check him no more. Anyhow, why are you asking us things? It was wild dogs that done it, wasn't it? You seen it wasn't wild dogs? There's more than one kind. Now I'll see you. Oh, Hugh sent me up to the store to buy some things. Some asaphysia and some sulfur. What for? For the lookarook. For it? For to drive the lookarook away. Uh, Sarah, do you know what a lookarook is? No, Sheriff, I don't, but Hugh thinks the lookarook killed Ellie, and now he's scared it's going to get Lawrence. Well, you say that? Yes, sir. Only I'll tell you something, Sheriff. Didn't know lookarook kill Ellie. No matter what the old man says. And Lawrence didn't do it either. And if that's what you've been thinking. Oh, uh, Sarah, he had a reason, and he's left-handed. He didn't kill her, Sheriff. Don't go waste no time on Lawrence. I know that. Now, how do you know that, sir? Because I know who did kill her. Who? You find out who's never made 
Ellie pregnant, and you'll find out who killed her. I'm not getting any more answers out of the back of your head than I was out of the front. How come you didn't tell me Ellie was pregnant? I knew she was pregnant. I was third in my class. How come you didn't say anything? Aaron and I was performing an autopsy to determine cause of death. Pregnancy didn't cause her death. Well, I'm not so sure. Well, I am. Doc, if she was pregnant, somebody got her that way. And that's a clear lead to, to who killed her. No. No, it isn't. Antibiotics, anyone? None at all. Because I got her pregnant. I didn't kill her. I loved her. I guess I'll have some of your antibiotics. Sorry, there's only one glass. I didn't say anything about needing a glass. I know what you're thinking. You only think you do. Burroughs Druton, MD, FACS. Grandson of Senator Jefferson Druton of Louisiana, out of his mind in love with a girl who does cleaning. Isn't that what you're thinking? Lawrence said she had a date. He didn't say who with. You know who she had a date with? Of course. Me. But she never came. I waited until I decided she wasn't going to come, then I went home. Where were you supposed to meet? Near the bottom of Pecan Hill. In the grove, across the wall from the Rodin's property. That's where we met a lot. One time in particular. Lawrence said she looked worried. She was. That's what we were going to talk about. The baby. I wanted to abort it. She wanted to marry me and have it. She wanted us to go someplace to live, somewhere else, where people wouldn't know us. I leave Marsh Island. And the hospital. And my whole life. You didn't want to. I didn't have the guts to. I'm almost 50, Aaron. Why do you start over again at 50? Aaron. 
didn't kill Ellie. Well, boy, I sure hope not. Hey, uh, Doc, what do you use sulfur and acetate for? You don't, not anymore. Well, when you used to use them, what'd you use them for? My grandmother used to claim they kept wolves away. Wolves? I see. You're not going to arrest me? You left-handed? No. Of course, whoever made that mark on Ellie could have come up from behind her and that'd make him right-handed. Maybe. I'll see you. Welcome back to Frightening Tales. Tonight we're discussing about the Rougarou. So far we've talked about the origin of the Rougarou and how do you become one. So now comes the age-old question. How do you protect yourself from a Rougarou? See, with a werewolf, all you needed was a silver bullet. And depending on who you read, they could drown or whatever because they're not good swimmers. But you usually just stick with the silver bullet. The boys at B seem to think that uh, salt will make him explode or instantly kill him. And as we discussed prior, maybe killing the Rougarou is not a good idea because all you do is you lift the curse for him and you become the Rougarou. So the best way to protect yourself against the Rougarou, ready for it? Here we go. Shiny objects, 13 in particular. Did you just say... Shiny objects? Yes. How in the world does that protect you from a Rougarou? So I guess during Lent you should walk around with like 13 pennies, 13 dimes, uh, 13 Tootsie Rolls, and just throw them out in front of what's supposed to be a Rougarou. Because apparently when you're a Rougarou, you can't count past 12, and that will stop the Rougarou, and he will do nothing but sit there and try to count it. And eventually he will get frustrated or the sun starts coming up and he has to leave. Oh, so what you're saying is that if I have, say, 20 windows to my house, I need to put 13 objects in front of each window and my door and the Rougarou is never coming into my house. Correct. That is the lamest thing I've ever heard. I agree. That's why the Rougarou story is a little weird and how it um, kind of diverges from what is known as a werewolf. I think I will still attempt the silver bullet. Is there any other way? I would say just don't become a Rougarou or don't live anywhere near them. That's about the best thing you could do because if you kill it, you become one. All right. So we've given you a good taste of the origin story, how you become one and how do you protect yourself one. Let me read to you what is the best book for children and you can teach them all about the Rougarou and actually continue this nice folklore around because I do believe folklore needs to needs to survive because as more people move into my parish, into my hometown, the more people that don't know the story, that don't know the area, they really just they move here because it's close to New Orleans and you lose a lot of what combines the communities together when folklore starts disappearing? So the book that I'm reading to you is called Rougarou Stew, written by Cat Piggott. Tommy, don't fall asleep on me with this one. In Louisiana swamps on a bright full moon night, you might see a creature if the light casts just right, a monster that will make you shiver with fright 
and scream, run, and tumble away in your flight. He's incredibly tall with dark, tangled hair, large red glowing eyes, and huge teeth like a bear. Half man and half wolf, he'll eat you for lunch. Your friends are his dinner with one giant crunch. In Acadiana, he howls at the moon. He prowls through New Orleans to find a doubloon. In France, he is known as the Lugaroo. To everyone else, he's the Rougarou. Don't look in the eyes of that big Rougarou, or the next thing you know, he'll make you one too. Be sure that you eat him before he eats you. You need the recipe for Rougarou stew. First, dig a big pit. Add a large iron pot. Add gator and crawfish and get it real hot. Add blue crabs and oysters and stir till it's thick. Scoop some with your spoon and give it a lick. Now call to the Rougarou, let out a yell. Woohoo, Rougarou, you really do smell. When he reaches your fire, he'll stop in a snap, eyeing and poking at your brilliant trap. You place 13 rocks by the side of the pit. He can't count past 12, so he'll have quite a fit. And while he's counting, just push him a bit, for then Rougarou stew is what you'll get. The spell it was cast when he fell in the stew, and if he crawls out, then the joke is on you. You'll get lucky if the curse does not stick. It looks like that rascal has played a big trick. Now gather together and share a big bowl of Rougarou stew and the story of old. But look all around you, the stew is a curse. You messed with that magic and just made it worse. For now there are others, more monsters to dread. And now you are one as you climb into bed. And how well you fix it is yet to be said. But when things were certain, you've been well fed. And the author includes a Rougarou stew recipe, just for fun. And then he also talks about the Rougarou. I've never seen a Rougarou, but sometimes at night. I think that I hear him howling in the swamp behind my house. Even though I know it's probably a fox, an alligator, or a bobcat, I like to believe it was that big Rougarou. Folk tales passed down for generations tell many versions of this Cajun myth. One is that a human can be transformed into a Rougarou because of a spell, while others say that a person can choose to become one. Legend has it that humans can also become Rougarous after the beast bites them or even looks them in the eye. Once you turn into a monster, you are under the spell for 101 days. The Rougarou curse is also placed on Catholics who do not hear to the rules of Lent or on to misbehaving children. It is said that you can protect yourself from the curse by laying 13 small objects in a row at nighttime. A Rougarou who can only count to 12 will unable to count all 13 objects. This will confuse him and he will recount them over and over. When the sun comes up, he'll flee back to the swamp. Some men place a leaf in their wallets to ward off the Rougarou, while others believe that fire can destroy the creature. So the next time you find yourself in the fog-covered swamplands, look out for that bayou-dwelling werewolf. Don't mess with that magic, because you know what will happen. The best advice is to only eat canned stew. That's a children's book, meant to teach about the Rougarou, and like I said earlier in the show, is far more knowledge than what Burgers has. So when we come back, we're going to talk about other stories and accounts from the Rougarou. Hello. Hello. Andrew had a terribly important meeting with the town council, so I made him drive me in with him. Well, have you found out who did that awful thing to that girl yet? Not yet. 
Do I, do I have to call you Sheriff the way Andrew does? Could I call you Aaron? Aaron would be fine. Well, then you've got to call me Louise. All right, thank you. I was wondering if... Um... Was there something you wanted to say, Aaron? Yeah, I, I was wondering if you'd have a cup of coffee with me over at Eddie's. Well, I, I'd admire to do that very much, Aaron. You know I've never once in all my life been in this place. You know that? So now that you are, what do you think? Well, I think... I think Eddie doesn't make a very good cup of coffee. Maybe he'd like something else to drink. Not much you can do to burger. They're all staring at me now. What would they do if they saw me take a drink? Uh, hey, listen, when Eddie finds out he had a road dance in here tomorrow, all the prices are going to go up. <laughs> we really own this town, don't we? Well, your great-granddaddy established it. Oh, I know it all got drummed into me when I was just little. Your FFL child. First family of Louisiana. Don't you ever forget it, child. You know I forgot. What's everybody been saying about me coming back so suddenly after all this time? What's Andrew been telling him? Well, Andrew said you were sick. <laughs> oh, that is Andrew. He'd rather everyone thought I was a terminal case or something than know the truth. You want to know the truth, Aaron? You want to know why I finally came back to the ancestral manor? Well, I can hardly say no, can I? No, I guess not after my leading you on this way. I was living with a man. That's what was happening. That's what Andrew just can't bear anyone knowing. And what is worse, the man I was living with was not socially acceptable. And what is worse? Oh, there's some worse. Oh, yes, when you hear. The socially unacceptable man I had been living in sin with walked out on me. Well, I would think that Andrew would have been relieved. Oh, no, he was furious. Why, if they'd had dueling, he'd have dueled him dead. You don't walk out on a road dance, even if you are living in sin with her. And I was socially unacceptable. You know what Andrew did? <laughs> he hired some detectives, and they came to New York and found me. They packed me right back here. Well, you didn't have to go. You could have said no. He's got all the money. He had cut me off. Could have gotten a job. Doing what? There's the curse of the road dance again. All we women folk were ever taught was piano and how to talk French. <laughs> so here I am, back at the old homestead, having been saved for myself. Amanda's running around telling everybody I've been sick. Well, I'm glad you're back. Are you, Aaron? Well, stop telling myself how unhappy I am because Andrew's such a stinker. Mr. Rodine, how do? Uh, afternoon. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Please don't let me interrupt your pleasures. I've been looking all over for you, Louise. Sheriff, this is where your sleuthing is taking you. Oh, Andrew, don't be so stuffy. Andrew just invited me in here for a cup of coffee. Oh. Well, I'm much obliged to you, Sherry, for occupying my sister while I was doing town business. 
I'm ready to go home now, Louise. And you ought to get some rest. You're looking a little peaked. And you remember what the doctor told you. Andrew, it's no use. I've spilled the beans to Aaron. That is right. I have told him the whole ugly truth about why I'm back in Marsh Island, so there's no point in going on and on and on about how I need rest now I've been sick and what the doctor said. I see. Well, it's uh, comforting to know that Sheriff Whitaker is not the town gossip. Sheriff, I hear it being said that Mr. Germandy and his boy are organizing a hunt for tomorrow, aiming to wipe out the wild dog population around here. Would you care to join in? We don't often get sport like that in these parts anymore. Well, I just might, Mr. Rodans. Of course, if the Germandys kill off all those wild dogs, I don't know what they're going to have to talk about the rest of their lives. Are you ready, Louise? start thinking about him dying, Lawrence, if you aren't already. He can't last much longer. Oh. Rook. Is that French, Lawrence? Not any French I ever heard. Well, that shot will keep him quiet for a few hours. Okay. Dr. Druden. Yes, Sarah, what is it? What did you find when you examined Ellie? Just that she was murdered. Dogs didn't do it. Like I said. Well, you were right. Excuse me. Nothing else? No. Nothing. Goodbye. Nothing?
troubling you, Sarah. If he says he didn't find nothing, either he's lying about being a doctor or he's lying about what he found. Who are you talking about? If I tell you something, Lawrence, will you promise to keep your head on your neck? Hmm? What is it you're going to tell me? Promise. Welcome back to Frightening Tales. Tonight we are talking about the Rougarou. So far we've given you the origin story of the Rougarou. Either it came from France or right here in Louisiana from Native American tribes. We've also talked to how you become one. And for my Catholic friends out there, hopefully you had missed Lent for the last seven years. Because uh, if you have, you're becoming a Rougarou. Or hopefully nobody has cursed you to be one or you've not been attacked and you drew blood. So there's that. And then always carry 13 objects with you or place 13 objects around each entry point into your home. A little security advice there from Tommy on how to prevent a Rougarou from entering your home. So now let's talk about the Rougarou and how little is talked about. I mentioned earlier about the newspaper articles all look the same, sound the same, read the same, have the same quotes. Uh, but here are some episodes on TV that uh, will get you through the story here. The first one I want to mention is the is Skinwalker, the Howl of the Rougarou from Small Town Monsters. I've played several clips from there. Uh, like I said, it's one of the best documentaries on the subject. Uh, they, they've got a few others on werewolves. I love the fact that they dedicated a good bit of that time to the Rougarou as well. Uh, as far as what's best, Monsters and Mysteries in America ha is the next best video to watch on the Rougarou. In fact, uh, Elizabeth Cortreau, who's in Skinwalker, is also the main witness to the story on the Rougarou in that episode. Uh, now, I did find it odd her story changed. Mysteries or Monsters and Mysteries of America came out somewhere around 2014 and her account was that her dad saw the Rougarou and that he that the Rougarou bust into his home while he was watching his sister and he protected his sister from the Rougarou without drawing any blood just kind of stood there and basically stared it down. I like that story better than the one that she told here in Skinwalker. So let's go ahead and play the two different stories. Elizabeth Corteau is a Homa Indian, born and raised in the Bayou in Terrebonne Parish, Louisiana. Her father was a tribal chief and the man that set a solid anchor for the family as Elizabeth was growing up. When he told you something, it wasn't made up. It was true. My father would hunt and trap or fish only in the daytime, not at night. He would tell his children, never go at night into the swamp because it's a good place for the monsters to hide. And there's one monster he was especially concerned about, the Lugaroo. When Elizabeth was a young teen, she first heard the story of her father's terrifying encounter with this bayou devil. There's something that I remember. As a little girl, I will never forget as long as I live and he runs out the door. Dad, why are you making this story up? And I still get nightmares of it. I'm not making this story up, there's no way. You know what happened? The devil came to see you, the devil himself. 
It all began one stormy Saturday night. The adults were attending a tribal dance. So Elizabeth's father was left in charge to look after his young siblings. And they had told him, don't let nobody in. It's like they knew. They knew that something, that someone was out there. He had fed the children, told them the stories. He put them to bed. Go to sleep, OK? OK. And he went to sit at the table to drink coffee. He was 15, so he was old enough to drink coffee. He heard a knock at the door. It started as a normal knocking. Then it got louder. My father said, Who's that? Who is it? Didn't answer. It knocked harder still. My father says, You can't come in. And then he heard the voice, a very raspy, growling voice to let him in. And he says, no, go away. I am not going to let you in. So when he said that, it broke the latch and opened it. My father was very terrified, but he was more afraid for the children than himself. He confronted it, and it jumped on the table on all fours. He thought that the creature was going to cut him, kill him, but it wasn't the case. He wanted my father to cut him, to deliver him from the curse, to set him free. No, no! The creature was very strong, stronger than any man. Lugaru is a creature that is actually half human and half God knows what other kind of animal. Most people would say it's, it's half wolf or it's half dog, but no one really knows exactly what the other half is. Could be half demon. It's not everyone that can be a Rougarou or want to be a Rougarou. I believe there's somewhat of a curse, you know, doing things that you normally wouldn't do. One of the ways is it's a curse. So if someone puts a curse on you, then that transforms you into a Rougarou. And according to the legend, the only way out of the curse is blood. Someone who is a Rugaru, and they go to attack a person, and then that person cuts them and draw blood from the Rugaru. At that moment, the Rugaru turns back into his human form. One of the strangest things about the Lugaru, it might be the neighbor next door. The Rugaru can be anyone. You know, a member of your family, your aunt, your uncle. It was a realization that Elizabeth's father would come to find after his horrific night with the Lugaru. The next day, he was walking down the road. He met up with his cousin. And he noticed the cousin had a bandit on his arm. And when he saw that, he knew exactly who it was. And he avoided him. Did not want to talk to him. Did not want to bother with him. 
when he saw his cousin the next day with that same type of wound, he realized that that was uh, an instance where he was encountered by the Lugaru. Elizabeth's father waited years when he was in his 60s before telling anyone about the night he had a death struggle with the Lugaru. I said, Dad. How did you make this up? You made that up. I'm not making it up. He told me that he would swear on a stack of Bibles that that happened to him. You saw a monster? My father's story made me realize that there are things in this world that cannot be explained, that cannot be changed. My mother, she told me, she says, you know what happened to you? The devil came to see you. The devil himself. That was from Monsters and Mysteries in America. This is from Skinwalker. The Howl of the Rougarou. A Rougarou looks like a half man and half wolf. What it is is a curse. Somebody curses you, and that curse becomes something that you can't live with until you are taken out of it by someone else. When I heard this story, I was fabulous, and it's a true story. My brother Mac would go every Thursday to go to my uncle's house. Something was following him. When he got to my uncle's house, he actually told my uncle, he says, somebody been following me. On the second Thursday he went, he heard it, but then he heard a growl this time. And he told my uncle, he says, that was no rabbit. That was not, that was something that growled at me. And he jokingly said, well, it might be the Lugaru. So on his third Thursday, he brought a gun and it followed him again. On the way back, he saw a shadow in the, in the woods. And he says, uh-uh. I'm going to see what that is. And he heard the growling. And there was a clearing, and he saw in the clearing like that it was a wolf, but walking on two legs. He hollered at him. He says, who are you? He just growled at him. And he shot at it, but he, he didn't get it. So it ran. So the following Thursday, he went back went to the clearing and it was there again and this time it talked to him I want you to he says i want you to deliver me my brother says oh no 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 i am not doing that because if i do that i become one in a year and a day my, my brother shot at him and he fell he, he didn't he didn't morally wound him. He just, he just fell to the ground and he came back. He saw it was his uncle. So he hit up and brought him in, at, at our house and told my mama to send somebody to bring him because we didn't, we didn't have a car. We had no cars. Left. So the neighbor had a car and the, the neighbor brought him to the hospital. And uh, the next day, he thanked my brother for bringing him back. But he says, now I'll become, he said, no. As long as you don't tell anybody, 
from a year and a day. My mama knew, but they wouldn't talk about it. And he would not talk about it to anyone. When he died, my brother wanted to go to his, 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 uh, his little camp. He really called it a house or a little camp. My brother said, I gotta go in the house, see what's in the house. In the house, there was only one coffee pot and one chair. No bed, no nothing else. And they had a, they had a, a path going in, in the back of his house, like he was sleeping in the woods instead of in his house. Him and, him and my aunt were separated, and she cursed him. He was no more the supporter of the house than when he moved across the body in that little camp, that little house. And she cursed him, and that's what happened to him. And she told him, she says, I, I, I hope you become something that's very, very ugly. He did. The next episode that's kind of good, it starts to really um, diverge a little bit, and it's kind of on shaky grounds, Beasts of the Bayou. Uh, that was a fairly good episode of the Rougarou. I mean, of course, there was the episode in Cajun Justice where the deputies or the cops were running around because people were claiming the Rougarou were either in their yard, trapped in a barn or something, and it turned out to be more of a, a dog. Uh, but it just goes to show you around in the Bayou country that that legend of the Rougarou is potent, uh, like the Chupacabra or Mothman in other areas. Of course, my personal favorite, if y'all haven't heard me list, or haven't heard me uh, belittle them a little bit, Swamp Monsters. Okay, here's where Swamp Monsters really, really gets me. First, they don't know what a Rougarou looks like. Second, they say, oh, there's been sightings, but... He's willing to just go shoot it on site, and there's been no attacks. Uh, so a lot of issues with swamp monsters and with the group of beasts anyway. Now, some of the common threads that we've seen through these is Jonathan Ferre. He's a Cajun folklorist down in uh, Homa, Louisiana. He also runs a foundation and a group that is trying to save Louisiana's coastline. Uh, he also is the one who founded the Rougarou Festival that happens every year in October. And the last three years I've been trying to go, one year got canceled because of COVID, another hurricane, and last year it just fell on my wife's birthday. So uh, we're not traveling to Homa for that. And it's, um, it's about a two-hour drive from here. But one day I will go check out the Homa or the Rougarou Fest. Uh, it seemed that the first year that I wanted to go was probably the best time because they brought in a lot of people that tell the story of the Rougarou. Uh, it was not all these other little vendors that were there. So I'm waiting for them to pick that back up. Let's see how our sheriff is handling the Lugaroo in the swamps of a small town in Louisiana in the movie Moon of the Wolf. And when we come back, I got some other Rougarou stories and sightings just for you. Oh, we're gonna have a good bunch. Well, Sheriff, you coming on a wild dog hunt? Now you bring me a pal, Tom. I'm disappointed you're not joining us, Sheriff. Somebody's got to mind this dog. Good hunt. Somebody's coming this way like he is being hunted. Must be old Hugh again. What is it, Lawrence? You let me back, hey, Lawrence, Sheriff. What is he killed my sister. 
Come on, grab me. Now, Lawrence, now cool it off. Now. It was her. She was having a baby. It was his baby. Now, Lawrence, we know you're oh, grieving. Oh, 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 I don't even know where to go around and kill you. Come on, Lawrence, just stand right up there. Come on over here. You all go hunt your wild dogs. Now, get out of here. You come with me. Come on. Now we uh, better get going with it while we still have the light. the clue I was looking for. What clue? Are you. I was wondering if you were home. Well, where else would I be? Not shooting down dogs with the rest of the folks in these parts. Would you care for a glass of lemonade? My clue yard. Thank you. It's mighty hot. You'd have just driven on by. Oh, I suppose so, if you hadn't stopped me. Well, why you just come calling like everybody else? Well, anybody just wouldn't come calling, not here. Not without an invitation. I was brought up on Marsh Island. So was I. I guess that's why nobody ever came calling. Well, have you solved your murder yet? <laughs> Not quite. But do you have any suspects? Is that the word? Suspects? That's, that's the word. I got three of them. But I don't want any one of them to have done it. Now, Doc Druton's a... Well, he's the closest thing I got to a friend here in this town. And Lawrence... Lawrence was a brother. If yes. he did it, thank you. All the folks of quality around here will, uh, will say, see what kind of people there are down in Frenchtown. They're half foreign and everything. And if it was Tom Germandy, that'd mean there was something between Tom and Ellie. I wouldn't like to think she'd lower herself that much. I'd like to. And I'm some sheriff, aren't I? I've never heard you talk so long before. I've never heard myself keep still so long. What do you suppose that means? Well, I don't know what it means to you, but... when I feel out of place, I just, uh, shut up. When I do, I just keep talking. I guess that's what it means. I guess that's what it means. Well, I, uh... I guess you'd better drink your lemonade. Yeah.
eight dogs today. It took 20 of them to do it. One of them wild dogs, Dr. Drew, because he's the one I'm going to get as soon as I get out of here. You get a long sentence for what you did today. You take my advice and just let him alone. He killed Ellie. I'll right, see you later, Terry. You want me to lock him in? You planning to escape, Lawrence? No. Wouldn't be worth it. I'll only lock it if he has visitors. Right,
same except for the blows. This time, whoever did it tore them both apart with his fingernails. Cover him up. Aaron, what in devil's own name is it? Well, you and a boy could have saved yourself the trouble of shooting all them dogs, man. They didn't kill Ellie or Lawrence or Don Terry. Well, who did? Dang whappers, look at them bars. You get through those bars, Tom? Sure couldn't. I don't believe you could either. So I just run out of suspects. Are you sure? Is there anything you can tell us? Yeah, three people were killed by somebody strong enough to tear out iron bars. Find somebody around here who's strong enough to do that, and you got yourself a killer. Well, ain't nobody that strong. Now, there are no marks of any instruments used on the bars. They were torn out by bare hands. I'll uh, send someone for the body sheriff. Uh, Doug. I'd like to have uh, four or five deputies for volunteers. Anyone volunteer? What do you need deputies for, Aaron? Well, Ellie and Lawrence Burrafoo were murdered by this wild man. There's only one Burrafoo left, old Hugh. How do we know he's not next? I'm going to post a 24-hour guard down at his house. All right, I want volunteers. Yeah, I thought so. Look at what happened to that deputy of yours who's going and launched. You want me to go on out there, get myself all torn apart, guarding some old boy and three quarter dead anyhow? Ah, go on home, Molly. Oh, get out of here. Go lock your doors. Well, that ain't no joke, Aaron. I'm locking and I'm bolting. And I ain't feeding my dog. You catch whatever, whoever it is, run around doing them things. I've seen them bodies. Tom Jr., come on. Get on home. Welcome back to Frightening Tales. I'm Justin and Tommy is riding shotgun with me. I got some other Rougarou stories and sightings just for you. So I'm shining my light on, I'm looking at it, like I said, two red eyes. It, you know, I'm looking dead at it with the light. You gotta imagine I'm looking at it straight on and I'm staring at it, but I'm, I'm so scared and nervous that I don't, I, I don't know what to do with it. Took my long journey, scared and don't know where this thing could pop up on me. I get home. I don't run home. I walk. I get inside. My dad's there, like always. He's waiting on me. And he recognized that. He says, hey, what's wrong with you? He said, you're white as a ghost. I didn't tell him because I didn't think I was crazy for what I heard and what I seen. And I didn't tell anyone for about two weeks. And there was this visit we had with, with some people, neighbors of ours, and some old people. And they talked about, you know, all these people that, that in this, at this time, when they, they did a lot of trapping, and it was always in, in the marsh. So it was people that, that seen things, sat there and listened to it, and listened to some of the stories. And, and after they left, you know, that's when I, I told my dad about it. And I told him, you know, what happened to me the, two weeks prior to that. 
He said, I remember that. He said, and that's what was wrong with you, he said. So yeah, that was wrong. And then he went to tell me his story about it. Now his story, when he was, he seen something like, like so. And when it, he described it, what he seen, he, he was actually looking at it with his light. And he seen broad shoulders, something with narrow legs. He said the way it looks, they were standing still at first, that it looked like a tree, but it caught him in the corner of his eye that made him look at it. And then it looked at him and then ran away. And he said that it, when it moved in the marsh and ran away from the light, it didn't make a sound. And then they also said that they saw it as a white dog, this big white dog that you could see at night walking along the roads and in the swamps and everything. So that's not the traditional version of the Rugaru story, but that's one that a few of us growing up heard that the Rugaru could be like a shapeshifter kind of thing. There are just as many variations on how the Rugaru manifests as there are stories where it appears. A section of Louisiana Highway 57, known as Bayou Sally Road, is home to one of these variations. Due to the number of accidents that have occurred on what has been dubbed the most haunted road in Louisiana, this road has become a prime location for a mix of ghost stories and Rougarou lore. Bayou Sally Road connects Dulac to Cocodry, twisting and turning through the saltwater marshes, swamps, and remnants of oak and cypress groves. Warnings abound about traveling this road, particularly after dark. The Rougarou is said to stalk this area, sometimes seen standing in the middle of the road in his animalistic form. Other times, he manifests as a hitchhiker to entice drivers to give him a ride. Allowing the Rougarou into your vehicle puts you at severe risk. The only way to rid yourself of the creature once it enters your car is to give him something extremely important, perhaps even your soul. All I told this was my grandpa that told me this when I was a young girl growing up. If you ever see anyone, I don't care what time it is, walking on the side of the road with light clothes on, never stop, keep on going. Don't never turn around. When you turn around, you pick up this person that you don't know who it is. I don't want to be in your clothes or your skin. Okay, they want to trade their soul for your soul. I did encounter one. Me and my husband was coming down the Cocodry to come to work. We were coming from Cutoff and it just happened to be at night. My husband wanted me to drive. So I went ahead and I took the wheel. I saw this guy. I mean, he was all in white. And I kept on going. I told the old man, I said, you got a guy, I said, walking. He said, well, turn around and go see. <laughs> yeah, okay. I turned around, I turned around on the dime, and I hauled tail back the other way. I went all the way to the furthest to the bridge when we pulled in to come towards Cocodry. I turned around, I came back. He was at the red light. I jumped that bridge at 60 miles an hour. I took off. I did not stop. How can you get? from the Grand Bras Road 
in the middle of nowhere to the front. Explain that to me. I didn't stop and ask no questions. Because if he'd have jumped in front of me, it wouldn't have been nice. <laughs> it wouldn't have been that nice. No, no, no. When we come back from our movie, Moon of the Wolf, I'm going to share with you a couple other books that you should get to learn about the Ruger Roo. Good morning, Mr. Rodan. A little quiet, wouldn't you say, Sheriff? Uh-huh. Probably eight or nine guns on us right now. Is that so? Well, I heard you were lacking deputies, so I thought I'd come and offer my services, if you think I qualify. I appreciate that, but what happens when I'm supposed to give you orders? I guess you'll just have to forget who I am and remember who you are, Sheriff. Well, come on. I'll drive you over to Hughes. I was going there myself. Island was settled by my people, Sheriff, and I've never been into this part of town. You and your sister have seen a lot of new things these days. I believe you're right, Sheriff. Go this way. It appears to be just as quiet here as up in town. Twice as many eyes watching us. You seem to have a tremendous knowledge of everything that's going on around you, even when it's completely invisible. Well, I am the Sheriff. Morning, sir. How's you? Oh, he seems a little weaker today, Sheriff. Good morning, sir, Mr. Rodin. You know me. Oh, yes. Won't you come in, sir? My daddy used to work for you when your granddaddy had more than a hundred hunters. Well, there's only a few of them left now, and most of them hunting for pasture, man. What's that smell? Uh, what's that smell? <laughs> What's wrong with him? He's had a fit. Doctor, you were third in your class. I never went to college. I knew he was having a fit when he started having it. He's had a fit and it was brought on according to what you tell me by something he smelled. Now, until he comes to, I can't say anything more. Well, have you ever had anything like this before? You've been the Marsh Island doctor for 20 years. Oh, yes, but not the Rodanth doctor. I wasn't good enough for them. They went to New Orleans. Said something about malaria. This isn't malaria. 
Well, you got any ideas? Not until I can talk to him. If I just knew something about his medical history. Then I'll find out for you. How? I'm the sheriff. Is he all right, Aaron? Well, the doctor says he doesn't have a temperature. And his pulse is all right. It's just as though he was sleeping it off. Sleeping what off? Whatever seized him. You ever have a fit like that before, anyone in the family? Granddaddy used to have what they called his spells. What were they? Oh, I don't know. Please, sit down. I mean, nobody'd ever talk about it. Oh, I was just little. All I remember was a lot of running around and whispering and people talking about Granddaddy having one of his spells upstairs. A long time later, I was sure they meant he'd been drinking. Well, maybe it wasn't that at all. Maybe it was the same thing your brother just had. Well, what is it, Aaron? What are you looking at? This. Well, that was my mother's. She gave it to me. You know where it is? Oh, good heavens, no. Well, I mean, I, I might know if I looked for it. I left it here when I went to New York. I suppose it's around here somewhere. Why? Well, it is somewhere. With it. Is that it? Well, of course it is. Where'd you get it? I found it near where they discovered Ellie's body. She stole it? Not necessarily. Well, how else could she have gotten it? I'm going to find out. You mean Andrew? I don't mean anything. I just mean I'm going to find out. I'm going to the hospital. Oh, Aaron, could I come with you, please? to wait in the other room while I question him. Good tour. When? The night she was murdered. Uh, Mr. Rodan, maybe I oughtn't to be questioning you in your present condition. Although the doc did say he was going to send you home tonight. Now, if you don't know what you're saying... I... Oh, I didn't kill the girl, Sheriff, and I know perfectly what I'm saying. I gave her that bit of bright work in return for... Uh... Certain favors she did me over the past year. Favors? Not the kind you're thinking, Sheriff. Gone. Thanks. You ever heard of Siebert Syndrome? Well, it's an offshoot of Blackwater fever, the one form of malaria they don't know anything about, really. And uh, once you got it, you got it forever. And the only time you know you had an attack is when you wake up after it's all over. I've had it for over a year now. What do you do about it? You take tripyridone. It's the only thing that keeps it under control. Where do you get that? Here, at the hospital. Well, then Doc Juton would have known about it. No. Sheriff, I have an interesting aversion to my maladies being paraded around the town. Being the subject of gossip in ballrooms and bathrooms. Ellie Burafu used to bring me the medicine in the evening, a month's supply at a time. And those were the favors she did me in return for some money and uh, the night she died, that locket. 
Mr. Bruno, are you telling me that Ellie brought you some medicine on the night she was murdered? That's right. What time? Oh, between 8 and 9 o'clock. Where was she wearing? I don't know. It was a pretty dress. It was uh, sort of brown, I think, with, uh, with checks. But she wasn't in a pleasured mood that night. She had something on her mind, it seemed like. So I gave the locket to Ellie, saying, here, maybe this will brighten you up a little. Did it? Not noticeably. But she thanked me, and I hung, hung it around her neck. I closed the catch, and then she went away to get murdered. What'd you do after Ellie left? Something stupid, Sheriff. Nothing. Nothing? I should have gone right back upstairs and taken two of the pills, but I didn't. I just sat there, thinking to myself, but what a pretty girl Ellie Barifu was. Just sat there thinking. And, uh... Man. The next thing I knew, I was taking a shower. And it was about 5 o'clock in the morning. Mr. Rodanth, when you came home last evening after hunting, what'd you do then? I dined with my sister. And after that? I went straight to bed. It tired me out more than I thought that, huh? So I went to bed early. Couldn't have been later than nine. Slept the night. Without waking? Straight through to breakfast. And that's when I learned from my sister what had happened in the night to Lawrence Burifu and your deputy. It was the same person, wasn't it, Sheriff? All these murders, they've been committed by the same person, haven't they? Well, it seems so. If there is a person that can tear iron bars out of a brick wall, Mr. Rodan, you don't happen to be left-handed. I'm ambidextrous, Sheriff. I can sign my name with both hands at the same time, and it would take a handwriting expert to tell you the difference. You know, there have been five of us in my family who inherited that interesting trait from my great-great-grandfather. Yeah, take care, sir. Uh, Miss Rodan, is Sheriff Whitaker still with you? Oh, there he is. Aaron, I can't get one person in this fear-ridden town to take this medication to old Hugh. If he breaks loose with one more spell of the Luca Rooks, it'll be the finish of it. I'll take it. A spell of the what? Uh, it's something the old man keeps saying in French. Nobody around here can understand it. I know French. You go with me? Of course. Miss Rodin. Doctor? I said he went to bed at nine. Well, I know it was early. You know, we slept into that. Well, I don't know. I, I dropped off about 11. Hello, Sarah. How is he? Hello, sir. I feel so That's what it is. Massive <laughs> That's what people used to think. I know. Yes. Yeah. Luca Rook? Monsieur, qu'est-ce que vous dites? 
Monsieur, répétez ça, s'il vous plaît. Voilà. Dans la main. Le loup Après. It's his dialect. Look, Rook. He's saying Luke Garou. Werewolf. He's saying werewolf. He says that I'm its next victim. Welcome back to Frightening Tales. I'm Justin and Tommy is riding shotgun with me. Tommy, what do you think of the Rougarou? I think he's just a regular old werewolf that there's nothing mystical about him and that all that you've said is kind of hogwash. But I do like that it's getting a little more attention that people are kind of bored of werewolves and now branching out and reclaiming a story that is centuries old. So let's have a little fun. Now, this is this is not necessarily all Rougarou, or I'm going to give you a book of the week. And, of course, it is all about the Rougarou. I just got it, so I've been glancing through, looking at its chapters, and that is called, and it's called Rougarou, Louisiana's Werewolf by George Dudding. Now, Dudding is not a native of Louisiana, which is kind of disappointing, but at least he had the... Uh, at least he had the initiative to, giant, or to travel from Virginia down to here to explore legends of the Rougarou. Now, this book is all over the place. Uh, I mean, if you look at the uh, at the table of contents in the book, you've got like the Lugarou, then lycanthropy, rules of Lent, becoming a werewolf, medical explanations, mythology, European werewolves. North America, Ties to Voodoo, Marie Laveau, Voodoo Queen, Dr. John, Voodoo King, The Rougarou Legend, Protecting Yourself, Tales from the Bayou, Early Tales from Canada, Tales from All Over, The Rougarou Festival, The Pop Culture, His Conclusion, and his pre-release reviews are hilarious. Uh, just glancing at that to see uh, that people don't seem to have a whole lot of faith in dudding. Pre-release review. I think this Rougarou that Dudding went chasing after in Deep South is nothing more than a common swamp ape, much like the skunk ape over in Florida or perhaps the Boggy Creek monster up in Fook, Arkansas. Bigfoot fan. Dudding is probably off on another one of his escapades down here in Louisiana at someone else's expense chasing some imaginary swampland creature. Clueless. I mean, you gotta, you gotta think it's funny because the dude has wrote books on UFOs, Bigfoot, ghost hauntings, and all kinds of different stories. Uh, so he he goes and explores, and it's one of the things I saw he had for protecting yourself was a campfire 
that if you have a campfire, the Rougarou is not going to approach you. And I, I'm going to be one of the first to say that I don't think that's true, considering that uh, people are out in the swamp all the time. And they still encounter different things. So here's his little chapter on that. Protecting yourself. There are several ways in which you can repel a Rougarou and protect yourself. A burning fire is one of them. So if you're camping down in Cajun country, make sure to keep a campfire burning at all times. Also, watch for crows. It is said that if you are in the swamps of Louisiana Bayou and you see a crow, it is a sign that a Rougarou may well be present. I'm going to tell you now, crows are all over this place. Uh, be, and I would be more inclined to believe that the crows are for Odin, not for a Rougarou. And he goes in and mentions on the Lent, the rules of Lent, and uh, there was a very basic and generalized version of Lent, and he doesn't exactly go into detail like uh, like we know him for the rules of Lent. Uh, he starts off to fully understand the religious aspect of the Lugaru and Rugaru legend. We need to understand what it means to follow the Catholic rules of Lent. These rules seem to vary as older traditional rules have been become replaced by newer ones. That just kind of reaffirms Tommy there. They, they wouldn't even know which rules caused him to be a Rougarou. I mean, for all we know, that uh, this Lent, all of a sudden, we have nothing but Rougarou because nobody followed the rules of Lent. He also seems to connect the same dots that I do for going back into France. The different stories, the Giles Garniers, the Michael Verdunes, and the uh, Peter Stumps. The Peter Stubbs. So I can't wait to actually read this book a little bit more and th uh, through, but uh, that's the book of the week for me. Rougarou, Louisiana's Werewolf. So we have a few more minutes. Or I'd like to go into the horror moment. Now, it seems that any transformation of a werewolf is painful. Every, Pretty much every account of the Rougarou says he's about eight to nine feet. So I'm about five foot ten. So that means I would have to grow an additional three feet just to be a Rougarou. Could you imagine how painful that would actually be? And then you would have to shrink back down that three feet. So what is the best moment in horror history ever on a werewolf transformation? Mm, that's kind of tough. I'm torn between Monster Squad's Wolfman. And the werewolf transformation in The Howling. I'll let you pick between those two. Let's wrap up tonight's movie. When we come back, we're going to talk about the reasons why you should save folklore like The Legends of the Rougarou. Okay, now quieten down and listen. 
Now, Tom Gurman, he, he knows these marshes better than his own name, so I'm putting him in charge. And remember this. Andrew Rodent is out there, and he's turned into a wolf. And we got to find him and shoot him down like a wolf. Mr. Rodent, this is a place for you. Mayor, you're planning to hunt down my brother, hunt him down, and shoot him like a wild animal? Miss Rodent, you shouldn't be here. Mayor, Mayor, he, he's sick. He has this illness. Don't you understand that? He has, the, he has these seizures. Miss Rodent, he had fangs coming two inches out of his mouth. Mayor, Mayor, listen to me. There, there are drugs. Hey, this here's his sister. How do we know she ain't going to turn out to be some kind of a wolf? You shut up! Mayor, Mayor, listen to me. Finding him is one thing, but hunting him down, shooting him is another thing altogether. Now, this is a law enforcement matter. You organized this posse without any legal authority. I'm acting under authority vested in me by the Marsh Island Charter. Now, Tom Germany's in charge now. Louise. Come on, Louise. Come on, boys. find him, but they're still at it. Aaron, Aaron, come in here. There's something I want you to see. What is it? Lycanthropy and lycanthrope-like diseases. What's lycanthropy? Werewolves. Oh, Louise, you don't believe it. What I believe, what I want to believe is that it's what Andrew said it was, a, a disease that you can take pills to control. But after what Dr. Druton said, and after what happened at the Burrowfoo house, and Granddaddy's fits, and now this book. Let me see. Many diseases resemble lycanthropy in some of its symptoms. These quasi-lycanthropic diseases are relatively harmless and easily controlled by a series of modern drugs. Well, that's what Andrew said it was, those pills. Lycanthropia veritum. True lycanthropy may also respond favorably to the same drugs for a time, and then the disease develops an immunity to the drug. In true lycanthropy, the victim's yearning for the taste of blood turns him into a most powerful, dangerous, and deadly killer. Mythology has it that werewolves are repelled and rendered temporarily harmless by the smell of sulfur. And it is also recorded, though with no scientific basis whatever, that certain persons, sensitive sorcerers, exorcisers of evil, claim to be able to... No, no, go on. Go on, read it. Mythology. I'm not interested in mythology. Well, I am. Claim to be able to see the shape of a pentagram in the hand of the werewolf's next victim. Louise, it's 1972. I heard he looked into Lawrence's hand just before Andrew killed him. Well, 
That's what Sarah said, but Sarah's a superstitious... He just looked into mine. Louise, he is your brother. Andrew isn't... He's out there. It's in the barn. Stay right there. Bars out of cement. If he was born in this house, maybe he'll have more respect. And after I leave, lock and shutter this door. And then go in there and lock and bolt that door. And don't leave the room. I don't know what I'll do when I find him, but it won't be what they'll do. Now, don't leave the room. Don't answer the door until you hear it's me, Aaron, saying it's me, all right? Aaron? If he has to be killed, not their way. Rodan! Rodan! The destruction of the victim. And only two methods of destruction are known. Death by burning or death by shooting with bullets that have been blessed.
Welcome back to Frightening Tales. I hope you enjoyed our movie this evening. It was a pretty interesting story. It was tough to find one that was public domain and it was actually good. I must have gone through three or four different movies before I settled on this one. Let's wrap up the Rougarou part. So tonight I told you the origin story of the Rougarou. I've told you how do you become a Rougarou and how to protect yourself from it. Now... Whether you believe in the Rougarou or not, whether you believe in any of these folklores, Bigfoot, Mothman, the Grunch, the Loch Ness Monster, remember one thing. It is a story that ties the community together. Folklore is something that's pretty crazy and pretty amazing to read at the same time. I have several different books on different folklores. i got Chinese folklore, Native American folklore, and of course my Viking folklore, which I'll explore in other episodes. So get out there and save the story. Even if it sounds ridiculous, it's worth telling. That's why I bought Rougarustu for my daughter, because I want to keep some parts of Louisiana alive. I may not fully embrace everything in this state, but there are some things that are really good to have. Let's wrap up tonight's episode of Frightening Tales. I hope you join us next week. I'm Justin. I'm Tommy. See you next week. <laughs>